Hi everyone, welcome to the Good Health Cafe. I hope you've got your warm drink in hand. Before I introduce today's guest, I'd like to give you a chance to subscribe to our mailing list on thegoodhealthcafe.com. By doing so, you'll get updates when new blogs and episodes are posted. I'm waiting. Have you done it yet? Great. My guest today is Miss Kalila Bruzewall, or as she put it, tequila with a K. Kalila is the founder of The Overcomer, and her mandate is to show others how to love and care for themselves and overcome life's obstacles while respecting the people and community around them. She is a fibromyalgia fighter, mental health advocate, mentor, coach, and motivational speaker who lives in Toronto, Canada. Let's listen to the episode. Hi, Kalila. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Could you please introduce yourself to the audience? My name is Kalila Brucewell. I have a aspirational, motivational platform called My Life is a Testimony. It's 11 years old. And the purpose of it is really just to talk about everyday life issues. So you name it, I've been through it, and I'm still standing. And now I, part of what's on my list on the health side of things is I am a fibromyalgia fighter. Um, I also have something called PNES, psychogenic non-epileptic seizures. I also have GERD, IBS, hiatia hernia, and other ailments of my body. But that pretty much sums me up in terms of this podcast. Do you want to tell us briefly what those are and how long you've had each of those issues? The first one that came up on my list was the IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome, which means that various types of food, which I've loved in the past, can harm me. Um, I've had to reach it's pretty much inflammation within your stomach and digestive system. And so simple things like garlic or onion might set my stomach off, carrots, too much beets, um, different kind of beans. So it's a, it's a very interesting thing. That paired with me being gluten-free and lactose just means that, like, everything that I want to put into my body just doesn't want to, like, help me out. Even things like what you would think, like, cauliflower or broccoli, which you think are really good for your body, um, it takes longer for my body to digest it, so it might hurt it. Um, So I can't have all of those things, or I have to have them in increments, and I'm trying to heal my stomach so that I can start to... um, open up my taste buds again, kind of, or my food options. The GERD and the hiatia hernia really deal with more of the upper um, area when it comes to your uh, kind of, what am I looking for, your stomach, your digestive system. So um, the hiatia hernia means that some of what would have been below or more like in the ribs underneath, can't remember, like the esophagus area has come up. And so Again, when I have certain foods or um, if it irritates my stomach or my just my digestive lining um, or I have acid reflux, you know, when some people can take Tums and they're like good, uh, that might last me three or four days. In the, and it's not the heartburn, it's the acid reflux. So it, things come back up. So it doesn't, it's not, it's not nice. <laughs> it's not nice. Um, my fibromyalgia. I was in a car accident in 2017, and about three months after the accident, my physiotherapist made the diagnosis. However, because one of the requirements of fibromyalgia is that it's long-standing, my diagnosis actually didn't happen until May when I had what would be known as a um, fibro flare-up. And what I didn't know until later on would be um, a PNES seizure right in my doctor's office, my GP office. So uh, when he did the test and he touched the trigger points, um, I was overly sensitive and reacted with screaming and tears. Um, that's the, the um, diagnosis. So uh, fibromyalgia, when you want to get diagnosed with that, there is things online that have, because you can do a, you can, do a self-diagnosis, but you need to go into your doctor to explain this so that it becomes medically diagnosed. 
but there are parts just up your legs, in your arms, along your collarbone, down your spine, just different points of your body. And if your trigger points, if those points, if there's a certain amount that it is, um, they classify that. Um, but there's just some criteria. For me, though, while fibromyalgia is a word used with chronic pain, it also means that they don't have a diagnosis for it. Because if they did, they'd be able to diagnose you with something else. So fibromyalgia is really that place where it's like, we don't know why you're having pain, but you're having pain. And we need to teach you how to manage it and to tolerate it. And so I am somebody that has been purposely putting my life into a collision course of our success, which means that I push myself to tolerate pain more and more again. But that's for me and the kind of fight I'm in. My PNES seizures are called psychogenic non-epileptic seizures. So this means that I don't get brainwave seizures. And I don't, what everyone automatically assumes is a seizure of someone dropping to the floor and just like, you know, jerking all over the place. Um, that is not what I get. Um, my seizures uh, are triggered from emotional, psychological, and it's not that you're crazy because people are like, are you trying to say I'm crazy? No, it's kind of, I feel like it's your brain that's been overwhelmed with so much trauma in your life that it's become overly sensitive and it's just shooting off the same way that my fibro is. So things like the, things like the sound in the church. So someone singing in a hall used to set me off um, or triggers me sometimes. A baby crying, um, even a whistle. Me being upset, me getting very upset and angry um, can hurt me. So I've learned how to let things go. Uh, just there's a lot of different things that can set it off. And it also depends on what your stress level is, what my pain level is. So a lot of these, all of these funny enough come together and, and they don't actually go one by one. It's really my whole body's inflamed inside and out. And depending on what I eat, how I move, what my energy is, what stresses are in my life, um, what anxiety I have, all of those different things uh, affects my body inflaming and it's more sensitive than what you, the normal person would be. However, I truly believe that the normal person deals what we deal with. Our bodies just scream back louder. Whereas when we were younger or we don't have it, we ignore it a little bit more. If you have the upset stomach, you'll ignore, ignore it a little bit more. Our bodies will be like, you need to sit down for two days. And what about the hiatial hernia? So that's the same thing. Like that's the GERD and the hiatial hernia are both kind of in that same area. One's above, below. It really, again, is just, I don't remember what the GERD is. My sincere apologies. Um, the GERD is also in terms of what I eat. So. Some foods in our bodies, um, you know, when you belch afterwards or you, certain foods that might irritate your stomach, peppers, um, pap um, not paprika, but like when you're having salt and pepper, uh, there's a list of different things. One gastrointestinal uh, doctor gave me what was called the FODMAP, and it's a list of things that you can and can't eat. So like you can't have the wine. I like to have it every once in a while. That <laughs> will affect my body. Mm -hmm. uh, that will leave my stomach upset. Um, even like I'd mentioned before, the chickpeas or certain beans, certain fibrous foods, certain pit foods, things like mango and peaches and cherries and all of those things that I that I love, um, because of the fiber within it, will hurt my stomach. Things like orange. I love my orange juice. I love my naturally squeezed orange. I love the little mandarins, but they, the acidity within it, my body can't handle it. So um, it varies, you know, different people have, can eat certain things. Some people are intolerant to certain things. My body, um, because of the stress that I've lived in my life, because of the various life situations and the Let's just say the beating that my life has taken. It's just inflamed. <laughs> it's just, it's hurting a little, but you know, I'm still moving. It sounds like eating out for you is probably a challenge. So 
originally, yes. Um, but now we live in a world where you can look at something on the menu and realize the side order for one plate isn't something you can have, but the side order for another plate is. Mm-hmm. And you can mix and match. We live in a world now where, you know, there is gluten-free bread. And people understand that there's pescatarian, vegetarian, vegan. And so there are people that are conforming in terms of restaurants. There are rest, more restaurants to eat from now when it comes to dietary and fresh food and things like that. Um, but there are times where I still have to very much customize something. Mm-hmm. So uh, even where I am right now, and I'm, I have to really kind of do takeout because I can't, I can't eat. Um, I, I work with my nutritionist about what I can and can't eat. And she's got me mostly on um, plant-based food. So when I do eat out, I am cautious of what I eat (laughs) or know what the repercussion might be, but I prepped my stomach. I haven't, I haven't killed my stomach. You know, every once in a while I want an ice cream. It's summertime. I want an ice cream. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, okay, if I eat that, you're having no bread. (laughs) You know? Yes. Yeah. What was the diagnosis for your various illnesses easy or drawn out? How did you get the answers when you first started feeling unwell? Oh, man. My IBS was drawn out. My IBS actually stemmed from, I had five deaths. So from January to May, I had a death every month. Wow. And that's where my stomach was just like, I can't take this. Um, but we didn't know what it was. I actually ended up in the hospital in dire pain, killed over uh, in the emergency room. They drugged me up. I was still in pain and nobody knew why. They sent me to a gynecologist first. Uh, The gynecologist said they couldn't help me. And then they had to send me to the gastrointestinal uh, specialist. And that took time because you had to see time to see each specialist. My IBS, um, my IBS, my fibromyalgia and my uh, hiatia hernia, I would say, and GERD, um, were probably diagnosed within my first year of it happening. Obviously, the fiber was in May, which was good. Um, it took a little while to get into the in to get the examination for my for my intest my intestinal, but the results didn't come. I knew actually when I was walking out the door what it was I had. It was for my doctor to explain it, but he told me what I had that same day. So that was good. My PNES seizures took about two years. Wow. We know what actually you're saying, wow, I'm actually very blessed. There are people to this day that are having seizures and they're not brain seizures. But because it takes time to get into the EEG or because people don't know the method in which they need to take it, they're either being misdiagnosed or they're being, or because of clinical testing, it's taking a long time, right? Um, and this is where I had to do some, I had to do some research as well. My neurologist who I worked with, a fantastic woman, Dr. Sokolova, um, she could tell that I was an advocate for myself and my health. And when I went in to see her, I would have notes, but they weren't just, well, they were, this is what happened on this day. When I'm falling asleep, my body's jerking. It wakes me back up. I'm afraid to fall asleep. When I'm emotionally stressed out, X, Y, and Z. So I had gone for, it took a while again. It's the testing that took a while. Um, she sent me for, I think it's the EEG. She sent me for about two or three different EEGs, even a sleep apnea test um, because of the symptoms that I was telling her, which helped in me telling her what my symptoms were, not just in, I don't know. I was very clear of when they were happening, how they were happening, what they looked like. I was trying to be very descriptive uh, in terms of it was a jerking or it was a twitching or it was in this hand or it was, there's a tingling. And, you know, I was very descriptive in my conversations with her. Um, And it was funny because it wasn't until I actually had a random conversation with somebody that actually has the the normal seizures, epilepsy, and they had done a paper 
And he goes, you know, I, he's like, I told him that I was funny enough. Another thing on the list that I completely forgot is alpha thalassemia, which is sort of like similar to sickle cell anemia. It's a hereditary iron deficiency. Okay. So in me telling, having this conversation with him, he's like, you know, you have a lot of symptoms. He's like, if you had sickle cell anemia, you would have like, you would be prone to, to the seizures he was having. And so he sent me a couple of links and there it was on the epilepsy Toronto and Ontario pages, PNES. It wasn't, it wasn't flashed in the front, but it was in the back. And, you know, things like having traumatic experiences, being raped, um, having just, you know, long experienced traumatic experiences from your past could be setting them off. And I literally, the fact that even my iron deficiency was on there, it was like 75% of who I was met this criteria. And I sat down and I read all the information and I put a little package together and I highlighted what it said and what I had been through so that my doctor could look at it. Mm -hmm. And when she came back, when we sat down at my next appointment, I sent it to her ahead of time so that she could review it before I met with her. Wow. She had said to me, uh, she's like, that's why I like working with you. She, but she's like, I was actually going to diagnose you with that, but I'm glad that you did your research so that you could understand it because when people get diagnosed with it, a lot of people have a hard time accepting the diagnosis simply because it's stemming from your brain, like your head psychologically, and nobody wants to say they think, well, I'm crazy or it's not that, you know? And so because it's not that, some people are afraid to speak or to even know that what that what it is. And a lot of doctors, again, they see the, the seizuring and the seizures are various for everybody. Mine are twitching. I like to say sometimes they're like hypnic jerks. You know, when you fall asleep at night yeah. and your mind does that twitch, you know, mm -hmm. or like you're just as you're falling out of sleep or into, and your body might do it. Think of it more aggressively and more volatile, like more violently, but that's what my body might do. Sometimes it'll shake and tremor, like it'll, I'll be in the middle of it and I'll, and I'll shake and I'll tremor, but the, um, it, it does vary for each person, you know? So I'm, I am glad that I know what that diagnosis is and I'm learning how to combat it or manage it and deal with it. You know? Yeah. How long does a seizure typically last? Oh, it depends on the stressor. Okay. Girl, one day they took my car. They, they, um, I had just gone into the doctor's office to get a result. This is when I actually found out I had alpha thalassemia. And I had walked out of the, let me build this up for you. I had walked out of the doctor's office learning that I had alpha thalassemia, learning that I'm, one of my miscarriages might have been because of my alpha thalassemia. So that kind of just broke my heart only to walk out and find my car missing. Oh, wow. Not knowing it had been towed. And I went into a seizure. My sister talked me through it. She came to get me. She got the car. I had my car back. And even when I had the car back, I was seizuring for like 12, 12 hours until the next day. Um, and again, a seizure isn't that I'm consistently staying in, in it. Um, it could be that I'm twitching once every 15 minutes and it's just going on for, for three, four or five hours. It could be something as simple as, you know, the sound of an alarm the other day, uh, recently, even in this month, somebody did a display, uh, a presenter, um, was at the front of the room and they had the horn sound. Yeah. A little alarm. And for the whole time that she blew the horn, I went into a seizure, right? Then she stopped. I was fine. But then everybody clapped for her at the end. And because she had already started it, I went into another one while they were, so it only lasted while my body was being triggered during the, the sound and then it stopped. Okay. Um, but it drained my body. And when my body got drained, it can happen more frequently. So you know, um, a seizure can be a twitch for two seconds or, you know, 24 hours. It, it varies. Wow. 
I love that your doctor appreciated that you sent the package ahead of time, that you're so proactive. I think that you need to be, I think that you need to be considerate of who you're working with. The same way that you don't want someone to give you a five page document as you walk into a meeting and be like, read this right now. You know, I have to give them the same kind of space too. I don't know what their day looks like. I don't know what their life looks like. Um, I just try that in you serving me, you, you, you decided to take a profession that would serve other people. Let me at least appreciate you and consider you as a human being. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So how do you manage your, your issues? What does a typical day look like? Who do you have surrounding you? I do not have a typical day. Okay. Really clear. Every day is completely different. Today is a good day. Um, the sun is out, it's on my skin and it's helping me, you know, um, a bad day. I can't get out of bed. I have to use a walking stick. My feet hurt every time I take a step. It feels like a thousand pins and needles are going into my feet. Um, a normal in between day is me being able to attend an appointment or two, run an errand or two move at a dis at a at a medium enough speed that I'm not draining myself. I've placed enough space between everything that I can rest. Um it it varies. I don't cook for myself. I can't uh, at this point in time. Um especially after this most recent accident that was end of August, so we're talking about 3 months ago. Mm-hmm. You know, um so I might look okay on the outside and that's what an invisible disability is. But when I'm ready to like, sometimes if I change too fast, I hurt myself. Um, about two weeks ago, I had a, I had to do a presentation and I was already in pain in the morning. So I didn't get to do my hair. So I tried to curl my hair in like 20 minutes. I couldn't move my arm the very next day. I was in bed for the very whole next day, you know? Um, there are days where treatments are okay. And then it takes me out. Um, I can start a day good, end it bad, start a day bad, end it good. We don't have, we don't have typical days and we have to understand that and be okay with it and accept it. Every day is different for me. And that's why I say I have to live my, my life breath by breath, moment by moment. We could be fine. Um, and in an hour, I'm crying, like bawling. I, I can't tell you. All because of something that I wasn't expecting to come across or to trigger me. You know? So, yeah. It's really impressive because... You could never tell by looking at you, but what I like about following you on social media is that you show the good and the bad. So it's never like you pretend that, you know, like most people on social media make out like life is amazing, but you kind of give us a window into both sides, but always with a smile on your face. (laughs) Listen, I have fought for my happiness. Mm -hmm. I know that the people are listening right now and they're like, I have been raped, abused, molested, high school dropout, hang out with little, not the biggest gangs, but you know, had your little gang things. You know, I've been on my own since I was 14. I've been in group homes. I've been in a foster home. I know I'm talking about it now, but I had a criminal record, like you name it. Listen, I've had car chases on the highway. I've had, wow. I'm like, you know, I've, there's things that I won't say, but I've done things and things have happened to me, you know, things have happened to me. And there was a time when I didn't love myself and there was a time that I just cried and there was a time that I couldn't look into my, even look at my face in the mirror. And all of these, even though we don't talk about it, like we're talking about more of the physical stuff right now, but I've been diagnosed with depression. I've been diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, um, post-traumatic stress. I've been diagnosed with anxiety, you know, everything from mild to severe depression. I fought it. And when you find peace, when you work 
hard to find peace, no one gets to take that away from you ever again. No one gets to take that away from you. I worked for this. So no one gets to say anything about it. And the other thing about it is, is even though life is still hard, you know, even though life is still hard, my mindset also helps with my healing because so many times people think that a storm or hardship is such a bad thing. And I was just having this conversation last night. How many times has someone grown better, grown more, you know, loved themselves more, developed in a way because of that hardship? You know, the sun is there, but it's the rain that makes the flowers grow, right? It's the sun that makes it blossom, but it needs that rain, right? It, and, and the other thing about it is, is, you know, I sit back and I think about some people are like, well, things shouldn't happen to me. We put things into our body that are evidence of what it means to strive and to grow. Something has to come from a seed, cut through the seed, grow out through the dirt, come through the dirt, grow out into the atmosphere, deal with the winds, deal with the sun, deal with the cold, deal with the snow, deal with all of those different things and still keep going through every single season and go through stuff. And then we put that in our mouth. Well, why can't I be a seedling that is growing and striving and pushing its way through the dirt and going through the different things? And these are some of the things that have helped me with my, my mindset, has helped me with my depression and all of those other things. And my clinical team doesn't just end with physical. You know, I have a psychologist. I have an NAT person. I try to live a life that just makes me smile. And so even when hardships come, I don't do the woe is, I mean, yes, I will have a pity party. Let's not play. I'll be like, Lord, really, really? Like after the second accident, as it happened, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) Really? But then my mind is, okay, well, how am I supposed to grow from this? And I might not see it right in front of me right now, but if it's a seed, it's going to grow. And my mindset determines, am I watering it with soda and vinegar? Or my mindset determines if I'm feeding it with purity and clean water and the things that I that I need. All of this is part of your health. All of it is part of your health. We don't talk about mental health, and I'm an advocate for that too, but it's holistically, I think. Yeah, that's an awesome perspective. Mindset is key. You said you have a psychologist and an NET. What, what's an NET? Neuro, emotional. Oh, I can't remember the next word. I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> uh, basically, this person helps you connect body and mind and emotional things together. And so um, it it is a way of addressing things. Your body. So. People don't know what this, people don't understand this, but your body gives signals when it is stressed, right? Your shoulders tense up, your mood changes, your back hurts, your legs or something, your legs swells up, you, your mind isn't concentrating properly. There are things that our body tells us. The question is, is do you listen to it or not? And there are things that your body has been holding on to that have been traumatic for years. You know, it was just before I came down here, I had a session. And funny enough, the session was about, was about men. I'm in the, in this, in it, and it wasn't necessarily about men, but a, a gentleman that I was talking to was in my head. And I was just a little like, you know, what's going on? And it wasn't about him. We did the session. And it was about all the men that had hurt me before, from my father, from my ex, from the, you know, just men doing those things. And once we started saying certain words of affirmation to myself, like, not everybody's going to hurt you, you can trust men, or you let go. And they carry you through. They carry you through the process because as they carry you through the process and they say certain words, your body reacts. It it either can hold itself firm or it becomes weak with the thought of something. And that's what it does. So NET stands for Neuro Emotional Technique. It is a mind-body approach to help stress-related conditions. It was developed in the early 1980s by a Scott Walker, D.C. So um, 
it's psychosomatic stress. So, you know, there's so many different things to try that are holistically, they don't have to be medicine too. Right. So how do you keep track of everything? You've, you've got a nutritionist, the NAT person, the psychologist, likely many doctors. Yeah. Do you, I don't even know. I guess I know you keep notes. I do. do (laughs) To organize your medications and pill boxes or like, how do you manage it all? Oh, uh, okay. You guys can't see me on my phone mm-hmm. in calendar and on my, ca- so alarms. So I have my morning, my afternoon, my dinner and my night alarm. Uh, sometimes they change, but it's an alarm that has to remind me because if I'm having a bad day and I'm in pain, time means nothing to me. So I have to be reminded with that. Um, I do have a list of who my doctors are. Um, and basically this is how I kind of do my thing. Most of my doctors are in one of two clinics or they stemmed from one or two clinics. Okay. I have a routine with them, uh, at different times of the year, I need to utilize people more or less. Right. So in winter time, my chiropractor, uh, who always used to line up my spine or kind of just gives me the treatment and my masseuse. Those are my tag teams to keep me away from sicknesses, ailments, anything from a cold. So, and but she, my chiropractor also does something called matrix repattering. So when my body is stressed, hurting, I'm having more flare-ups. I see her more often. I'll see her every week, but normally I'll see her every two weeks. But in the summertime, I only have to see her every month because I'm actually letting my body heal more instead of getting as much therapy in. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the nerve block injections. It's the same thing. What I tend to do with my doctors is I will book one month in advance for everybody. So my whole month is set out, you know, every Tuesday at this time, that's where I, or every other Tuesday, you know, and I also set up days where, um, some days are like, if I have a fitness day, I won't, um, see anybody until later on or I make sure that certain appointments are in between fitness days you know and part of it is actually strategic so that I purposely am getting myself out of the house even when my body doesn't want to um because my body needs that it's a it's a catch-22 with fibro in terms of if you stay still for too long you're in trouble and if you move too much you're in trouble so um all everything that I do, I'm very strategic about from what time I take my pills at and things like that. And this is because of different programs that I've, I've been a part of. Like, I didn't know that Cymbalta gives you energy. So you don't take that in the, at nighttime. You take that in the morning, right? So, but I was taking it at night and couldn't figure out why I was going. To, I couldn't get to sleep. When I moved it, it, it definitely helped me. So I try to be very educated. I, I read when they give me the stuff, what the side effects are. Um, my pills are set up with, I have seven days a week, morning, afternoon, nighttime. So the same thing when my alarm goes off, I know that I just have to take that one section. Okay. I have emergency pills in my car or in my bag in case I run out of the house and I forget. Um, I have, um, I have other things like I have therapy balls that I can travel with therapy bands, uh, tens machine, um, essential oils. So I don't just do med. My medicine isn't just pharmaceutical. There's supplements, there's vitamins as well. Okay. And yeah. Does this TSA question you when you go through the airport? Like, what is it? What is all this in this bag? <laughs> Because really, when I go, they realize, oh, it's a whole. It's, but the thing about it is, is I don't walk through with just a pharmacy. Yeah, I walk through with a whole drug store. So, <laughs> so it's not just the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, it's like there's a whole like, oh, you know, and, and even with that, like I pack all of that stuff up and I make sure that when I go through TSA, these are really important. Like uh, in me traveling, I've been talking about um, accessible disabilities, mm-hmm. and when do something like with my fibro and walking through an airport, I'm going to lose myself. So I take wheelchair and they help me. So when I'm going through that, 
And they're like, okay, well, she's taking disability assistance to get her to her gate. She has all of these meds. One and one makes two. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I think about that stuff. There are times I'll go somewhere and I'll make it really clear. Listen, you know, I know that we're in an open space. I'm enjoying my environment, but I need you to go into the corner and smoke a little medical marijuana. Are you okay with that? Like, I ask, I ask these questions. Like, I ask the question in terms of instead of someone looking at me and and questioning i don't divulge all the information you don't need it but if i know that it's going to be beneficial for me and to reduce you freaking out or whatever i'll tell you ahead of time mm-hmm. so that i try to be proactive in it i try to be yeah do you have any examples of where advocating for your yourself and your health interactions has been has paid off <laughs> my whole life <laughs> Um, yes. When I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia, I started with a group, a fibromyalgia support group. Based on that, I was learning about different resources, different doctors that I could connect with. And I took that information directly to my doctor um, so that he didn't have to look for things. You know what I mean? So it was like, and even with even with the example with the neurologist, I did some research, and it, and I always use the word "this is a theory." This isn't what it is. This is my theory. You know, um, language helps, but I always um, I'll always be clear. i like, what do you need? Um, and sometimes they appreciate it. Like even when I transferred from one doctor, once he retired to another one, I'm like is the doctor that you're transferring me to uh, okay with me having fibromyalgia? Um, when I go into, when I go into medical, when I was searching out medical clinics, I think about doctors, like as much as you might be helping me, I'm giving you an interview too. I need to make sure that how I articulate myself, how you respond to me, how you listen to me, this is all part of me advocating for myself. Because if I say I'm having a pain in my elbow and he's like, okay, well, let's just work on our foot. You're not hearing me. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, if I say, give me more understanding and they go, uh, well, whatever, I'm not, I'm not spending a time with you. But if you don't mind saying to me, okay, go to the Mayo Clinic website, look up this, and then they show me or they might initiate it and then I can continue it on my own. Um, I just, I just plan how I'm going to have conversations and all of that is part of advocacy, right? And you trying to just walk into a doctor's appointment and you're not prepared, that's not advocating for yourself. But when you come in and you sit down and you open your phone and you're like, I have points, I have five points that I need to get through today. Well, you've already set the agenda. You've set the agenda, right? I'm keeping, I need you to understand that this and this and this and this and this is going on, right? Plain and simple. But if you come in and you don't say anything and then you're like, okay, you're on number four. And he's like, well, you got to go. You know what I mean? But when I come in, I'm like, I got five things to talk to you about today. As we address them all, I'm like, we're only at four, you know, or we're at five. We've got one more to go. Mm-hmm. And they can work with me, right? These are parts of the things in terms of advocating. If you have a referral, don't find out the details that they need for the referral. They want the fax number. They want the address. They want the doctor, things like that. They'll give you the referral clean and easy, ready to go. If you have a form, like with my new doctor, my medical marijuana form, I pre-filled it out for her. My um, Anytime I'm doing uh, the travel assistant with the airline and they need the medical form, I pre-fill out as much as I can with them just having to do the certain parts where they need to, that's advocating for myself because it's limiting them and they're willing to work with me even more, right? When I advocate for myself or I stand up for myself or I show up for myself and they see that, they're more willing to work with me and that's part of my advocacy. That's fantastic. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I like that, pre-filling the forms. Oh, yeah. Listen, mm -mm. no, I leave where it needs to be left out, but why not? 
And you see, and that's the thing about it. Pre-filling the forms means you're the one that's in control of the information that's going out and the accuracy of that information. When you place that in a doctor's hand and he's got to deal with you in 15 minutes and filling out that form takes the whole 15 minutes and he's just trying to rush through it, that doesn't help. Yeah. If I can take that 15 minutes or whatever and fill it out and you only need to do two minutes and we can talk about other things, it helps me, it helps you, right? Advocacy is not just about your voice. It's still about how you move. Yeah. And that's showing consideration for them and their time as well, which is something you mentioned earlier. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's crazy, right? I'm one in a million. (laughs) You are, but you're amazing nonetheless. You know, I I can probably see some people think, oh my gosh, it's Kalila. I just can't deal with this girl. And you know what? They could be like, okay, I'm going to transfer your file, but it's good for them to know you, know your personality and decide like, I love this about her or I don't want to work with her. Yeah. And I haven't met anybody like that. Yeah. Really and truthfully, I think um, I've walked away from doctors too. That's the other thing. People don't understand. If you don't like a doctor, you can switch, right? There are 15 million chiropractors. You don't have to take the one that your doctor refers you to. But you can't ask him to refer you to 15 doctors. You got to figure out what you're looking for, who you want, and then say, this is what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. You have any more suggestions? Okay, let me try both of them out. Right? Yeah. We go for so many jobs. We put our resume out to so many people. Why can't I do that about my health? Yeah. So that's it. Do you have any resources that people should know about when it comes to advocating for themselves or managing their health in general? Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) I do. Um, Let's see. I mentioned Dr. Sokolova. She's in Toronto. A woman that uh, will listen and and definitely cares. Um, I'm giving a shout out to the energy shack, this Caroline Nichols, because my second accident, having her as a nutritionist and the amount of knowledge that she knows, it's like, she's a library when it comes for food and the healing that it comes from. My body hasn't had to deal with as much inflammation, which means the pain has been reduced, which has been helping my recovery. I have to give her props. People have noticed the difference. I've got Dr. Gordon Lawson, who's out in Unionville, and he's about making sure that I've been taken care of um, with the aqua therapy, him and this whole team. Dr. Gordon Lawson, Fiona Chan, she's been doing, they, they get me into aqua therapy. The whole team makes sure that it's also about customer service. Like if I'm, they call me before to see how I'm doing, to see whether or not they need to push back my appointment because they know my health is so back and forth. Yeah, that's the kind that's of people awesome. I'm for. Um, I'll tell them when I have an assessment. And then if I have an appointment scheduled for the next day, they'll be like, okay, only come in for 20 minutes or come get your full half an hour. Or they'll work with me. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because they care about me. I've got Dr. Ina Kennedy, who's not just my chiropractor, but she does matrix repattering on me. And it's like when she touches my body as a chiropractor, the tension that she releases from my body is helping me to release the PNES tension. It's helping to release the, just the toxins that are in my body. You've got things like, um, you've got things like if I've forgotten somebody, I'm really sorry. I love you all. (laughs) We've got the, the, the masseuses. Um, I love my Holly because I had her before my accident and she takes her time with me in terms of, you know, as a fibro, as a fiber piter, if I said to you, I do cupping, people would be like, what the heck is wrong with you? That's painful. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, yeah, it is. But she'll be gentle with me. I've walked out of there crying. But in cupping, I've gotten some of my sensation back in my hand. When it comes to groups, um, there are fibromyalgia groups, both online and in person. I don't know what everything's like with COVID, but there's groups out there that will um, that of like mind. I can't tell you the amount of serenity I received placing myself into an environment of like-minded people. And it wasn't about 
being sad and depressed and just venting. It was about educating myself and uplifting one another and being realistic about what we can and can't do. Um, I'm part of some Facebook groups as well, both for my alpha thalassemia, PNES, and fibro. And I want to say to people, you know, there's a, there is a space where you need to vent because it's hard. It is really hard to live your life in pain every day. I'm talking to you right now and my spine hurts. Um, but at the same token, you can't leave yourself in that environment where it's just everybody venting and being dark. You need to find some light. You need to find light in places that will motivate you and lift you up, which is why there's a site and an app called My Fibro Team. And that has been really amazing in terms of people just lifting each other up, telling each other stories, being across worldwide. Um, I've got apps like the Weed Map app. I know I keep talking about it, but it's important for people. Listen, chronic pain sufferers, cancer sufferers, people that have to actually use it. Yep, it works. It doesn't just get you high. It helps alleviate the problems. You've got things like that in terms of um, being able to find resources for yourself no matter where you go in the world. I'm sitting here talking to you from California. I live in Toronto, but I know what the laws in the States are and I can get the things that I need. Um, one of the other things that I was saying to you about, like in crossing the border and now I'm out of my meds, there's urgent care down here that I didn't know about um, where you can talk to a doctor online and get your prescriptions resettled. Uh, there's, there's, I keep myself, uh, with a lot of apps, but not just medical apps. I also keep myself in apps like, um, we call them games, but they're for the mind, mm -hmm. right? I still do my crosswords. I still do my Sudoku. I still do like, I'll do candy crush or versions of that, but it's to be strategic. I'll do memory games. I'll do find it games. I'll do things that are also trying because this is when I get my fibro fog and my lack of concentration and I'm trying to keep that and sustain that I feel like an Alzheimer's at this age sometimes I do yeah. like I my sister will be like that's the third time you asked me that question in the last 15 minutes seriously not thinking that I have it so uh, so I do things like that as well these are things that help me I have apps that keep me calm, audio joy, and the other things that people think about is calm. They help me when I'm stressed out to relax my body. They help me when it's time to go to sleep. They give me white noises to fall asleep to, which, which helps me. Um, it's all about how you want to use to utilize something. But there's, there's apps, there's groups, both online and person. Um, yeah, there's there's also organizations like I am part of the uh, Epilepsy Toronto and I kind of did a, I did an ambassador thing for them. Um, but there are resources like the sky is the limit. Um, I'm not going to say it's going to cure you. I'm not. We're living in a time we're living with my body and so many other sufferers. We have to learn how to manage it. There are resources out there to help you manage it. There are more resources that are needed, right? There is still more education that's needed, which are some of the things that the My Life is a Testimony platform is hoping to put out there. Like, for, for example, when we talk about mindset, in me strengthening up my body again, you know, I wanted to go back and start working out in the gym like I used to. Right. It can't happen. I had to learn how to lift my feet all over again, how to lift my arms all over again, how to do a sit up, how to use my core. All of these things I had to learn again. And it's like, well, I feel like a granny. Well, then move at a granny speed. Right. Yoga session, find a Pilates session that's towards, you know, senior citizens. I hate to say it, but it's true because they focus those things for people that move slower pace. Don't put yourself in an elliptical. Like I love my elliptic, my um, my my cycling, my bike, my speed bike, but I can't get on it. It will hurt me, right? It took me five months just to be able to sit in the seated one with the pedals. <laughs> <laughs> but that, right? So I want to do things where it's like 
dumbbells are at like half a pound, one pound, two pounds, you know, um, understanding the, the power that we have in stretching our body with the, the elasticity and the muscle fascia. So doing something like that, having something in terms of fibro fit or cardio pain um, management, you know, relief, cardio pain relief. Um, I want, I would, that's what I want to advocate about because those are some of the things that have helped me, but it's taken time. We will move at 10 times slower than the average person. So I need someone that's going to give me a video 10 times slower. (laughs) I'm just trying to make it through the first five minutes, people, (laughs) you know? Um, But there, there are more resources that are needed. And this is why chronic pain sufferers have to be tactic. I'll use the word tactic on how tactic and, 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 you know, we strategize on how we advocate. Um, so that the world knows, two to three percent of the whole entire world has fibromyalgia. Okay, you get what I'm saying? That's a very large number. That is a lot of people, and they're trying. And and some doctors are trying based on their knowledge, but this is this is the time that because something like fibromyalgia, while it was acknowledged back in you know the like the into sorry like 1980s, it really didn't become clarified into the last few years, 2015, 2013, where they actually became more medically approved. And so we have a lot of doctors that don't understand it, that never accepted it, that still don't accept it. So when we explain it, we have to give them a lot of in-depth information. Consider yourself a guinea pig, giving the doctor information. And, and so that not only will your life be sustained, but those that that fight longer, right? The reason why cancer research has gotten to the place that it got to is because one or two people advocated, right? We have to do the same thing. So that's where I'm at with it. So what do you say to people who say, well, I don't know, I'm not sure about advocating. I don't, I'm, I don't know, I'm afraid to speak up. Like that's her, that's not me. Okay, well, first and foremost, This is to my everyday person. This is what I'm going to say. You already have the skills and the knowledge to advocate. You advocated when it came for your child. You advocated when it came for you falling in love with somebody. You advocated when you wanted a job or you wanted to go somewhere or you wanted to experience something in your life. You advocated to your family and friends. You don't need to go out and be on social media like me. Advocating means within your own environment. You standing up and saying no when your body hurts, or can I do it later, or I will do it later, or advocating and saying, I'm going to accept the invitation for dinner next week, but I'll confirm on the day of because I'm not sure if my, what my body's going to feel like. In you being truthful and honest, and I'll even say humble, not aggressive in how you you speak, you are advocating for yourself and therefore advocating for others so that people understand what it is. There's a lot of people in this world, when I say that I have fibromyalgia, they're like, oh, I know somebody. And I'll say, well, what do you know about them? And they're like, I don't know. They're in pain. Having the ability to say something like frostbite. Okay, you know what frostbite's like. You know, your foot comes in from the snow and it hurts and tingling and you're pushing on the edge of it, trying to stop the numbness, but you can't put it by the fire or in hot water because it's going to sting more. Girl, you're not. Right? You know how it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine having that for 10 days straight. Imagine your foot doing that for an hour and a half on and off for three days. Right? That's that's me advocating. You know what it feels like on a hot summer day when you want to put your hand into the cooler to get the cold drink at the bottom of the cooler. But then when you start getting down and looking for it, your hand starts to get that tingling feeling and icy and you pull it out because you're like, ow. Imagine having that for about, you know, four weeks. Imagine your hand doing that all and off when you don't know when it has to be. Advocating isn't about you going out and speaking to the whole world. It's about talking your truth. Speak your truth and don't harm yourself. There's a lot of us that will go out and say, yes, yes, yes. And then their body is broken for three or four days. And you saying, no, I can't do that. That's you being truthful. That's you giving a voice to this. That's advocating. So 
when I say advocate, speak your truth, speak it in love, speak it with humility and humbleness and not in like anger. And, and when they don't hear, either don't speak because they're not going to listen or just change your tone and speak a little louder. Like, I need you to understand this. I know that you want me to clean the house from head to toe. My body won't let me do it. That's it. Nicely said. It sounds like you have really good relationships with the people who help take care of you. How did you establish that? I was advocating before. <laughs> um, the one thing that I've been saying is even though I have an invisible, invisible disability, I don't. You see that I don't run anymore. You see that I walk, don't walk the same way. You see that I need a, a walking stick sometimes. You see that I stutter sometimes. Um, they know that I've changed, you know, um, but they also know that she keeps fighting. Kalila might be down today, but she's going to get up and keep fighting. And I think that's been part of what's helped with the relationship. Like my mom wasn't around when the accident originally happened, but then she just, she would see me in pain. She was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And she just loves and cares for me because I'm her daughter. And, you know, in me just being truthful in, I know this is going to sound really crazy, but in me loving myself more, it caused my relationships to love me as well. Is that, am I making sense when I say that? I think so, because it's almost, I don't know if this is what you're going for, but it almost sounds like when people say, well, you teach people how to treat you. And so you treat yourself well. And so they recognize that if I want to deal with her, I'm going to need to treat her well as well. Yeah. That's in your private life with your personal relationships. Oh, what no, about, everybody. Oh, that's fair. Even with your practitioners, too? Don't get it twisted. Mm -mm. Don't get it twisted. God made us all equal. You might have a different title, and you might get more money than mm -hmm. me, but we all equal. If I don't disrespect you, you don't disrespect me. I can appreciate what you do. You appreciate me. <laughs> that's, that's, that's across the board. I don't care if you're my boss. I don't care if you're president. I don't care who you are. You have a different title. You have a different status. But in God's eyes, we are all equal. I love so, that. Until, until I raise my voice at you or slap you, you can't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was, like, I was thinking about how you said there was somebody on your list who actually like calls you to check in and says, oh, should we move it forward, move it backward? I'm wondering for somebody who says, oh, I can't even get my doctor on the phone when I'm trying to call about something. How is it that she's gotten to the point where they check on her? Well, when I walk in, I'll say, hi, lovely. When somebody else is at the, at the counter, I don't need to be the first one down. I'll sit down, let you handle your business, and come to me so that I get proper customer service. I'll joke around with you. I don't, even when I'm in pain, you know, if I'm late, I apologize. If I'm late, I call to say I'm running late so that if another patient comes in before me, you can get him in and then you can swap me, right? I, I honor your business, right? I'm, I'm a, I guess I'm just a people person and just try to be considerate in it. And when people see that you're trying to be considerate of you, they'll be, or considerate of them, they'll be considerate of you. It's, it's really just human nature. How many times will you go out of your way for somebody that's gone out of your, their way for you? Mm -hmm. It's human nature. How many times will you respect someone if they've respected you? And even when someone disrespects you and you still respect them, they come around to respect you because they're like, ain't nothing that I do going to make this chick like deal with me. And every once in a while, I'll put someone in their place. And even that gets respect because it's like, I won't stand. I'm not going to listen. Listen, I've had to drop a couple of coworkers or a couple of people in my lifetime and be like, you need to check yourself because I have never disrespected you or talked down to you. So I don't know who you think you are because my mama doesn't do it. My daddy doesn't do it. You aren't going to do it. And then they're like, whoa. And then I stood up for myself and then they never do it again because I set my boundaries. If I let you talk down to me, you'll talk down to me. But if I love you, listen, killing with kindness is, is not just a song. It's true. It is true. When you kill someone with love and kindness and compassion 
and consideration, even if it's your doctor's. They will return it and go to lengths for you. Have you ever broken up with the provider? Actually, I don't think I've had, no. I've had to leave providers because I've moved. I've had to leave. There have been times where we both can see that it's kind of coming to an end. Um, But I think because I do my check-in and my interview before, you're not getting me as a patient until I feel comfortable with you, Mm. right? So I walk in already comfortable with you that I don't have to keep. I will, I will look at four, five, six practitioners before I finally pick who I want to be with, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to counselors and you're divulging personal information. Not everybody gets to have that part of me. Uh-uh. How do you do that? Re- online reviews? You have, so like for the, for the Ontario psychologist, they have the list of who you can find. They have them by specialty. They have them by genre. They have them all these different things. So I'll go and I'll pick a couple of people. And then I'll look at the criteria and then I'll be like, okay, I want to talk to one, two, three, and I'll call all three and I will let them know, you know, I am, I'm contacting, I'm, I'm doing a quick check-in with, you know, three or four people or a couple of practitioners to see who I'm most comfortable with. Um, you know, if, if you hear back, I'm trying to finalize it by this date and if you'll hear back from me, if you're the person I want to work with. I love that. It's, so a, it's a job. It's a, it's a freaking, listen, you are going to be part of the Department of Kalila's Health and Body Commission. You better be ready to come and work. And if you're not ready to come and work, you don't need to be part of this job. Mm-mm. This company can work without you. <laughs> I love that. Body is a job. Yeah. Body is a company, right? You got your eye doctor, you got your dentist, you got your general practitioner. You got the person that deals with your hair. You got your masseuse. You got your chiropractor. Listen, you paying all of these employees to take care of your body. It's true. It's not free. It's not free. So yeah, I'm going to interview to make sure that you can take, you can do the job. You're laughing, but it's true. No, it's, I, I've never heard it put that way. It's, I like it. <laughs> it's true. And it doesn't matter if it's a specialist or not. Same thing. Right, I've seen two or three specialists before I picked one. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's it. Do you have any closing thoughts? Any things that you really want people to take away from this conversation? You are worth your life. Ooh. You are worth fighting for. You are worth obtaining your dreams and your goals. You are worth getting back the things that you lost that you didn't lose out of your own choice. But the question is, is are you going to fight for them? You have fought for so many other things in your life. So many times you've had to pick yourself up. When it comes to your health, will you fight? You'll fight to break it down so that you can support someone else. Will you fight to break it down so you support yourself only to raise yourself up? You are worth it. Love yourself. You are worth it. It doesn't matter who else doesn't say that you aren't. God says that you are. I'm telling you that you are. The reason why Nikita is doing this show is because she's telling you that you are. The only person that really needs to go and believe it is you. So go into this mirror as soon as this is done and look yourself in the mirror. And I don't care if you cry and have to say it 10 times, but you are worth it. You are worth it. No better way to close. Now that people have listened to this and they thought, man, this girl's a firecracker. I want to, <laughs> I want to know more. <laughs> How can they follow you, learn more about you, reach out to you? So my platform is called My Life is a Testimony. So my website is mylifeisatestimony.com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at M-L-I-A testimony or you just look up under my name and you'll see it come up so that's it follow me along the journey make comments you know do different things we have a facebook live show that happens every other tuesday called chronic pain conversations there's three of us i am i have my fibro and my various you know indivisible disabilities that i told you about Uh, my lovely co-host sharifa mclaren she is um, dealing with lupus, 
And even at the minute, at the, at the moment, she's waiting for her kidney. So that's a journey. I have the lovely Victoria Dogman, who is um, at Chronically Vicks. She does Chronically Victorious, and she has fibro. She has elders, hypermobility. Um, the three of us together, we just talk about everything. Like we talked about what for winter preparations. Um, you know, people don't think about that. We don't think about winter until it's that time. And our next one is happy holidays, how to get through the holidays, like how to advocate for yourself and be like, I can't go to Aunt Martha's and Uncle Bob's on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I know that I was the one that cooked the turkey dinner last year. It's not happening this year. I can give you one dish. So um, we have that. And um, look out for a couple of things happening with my life as a testimony because we're trying to advocate. Um, on the mental health side and definitely on the chronic pain side, but that's where you can follow me. Kalila Bruisewell. Think of tequila with a K. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, Kalila. <laughs> tequila with a K. <laughs> I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming to the Good Health Cafe. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. It's been a blessing. It was. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kalila and that you will try at least one of the many tips she shared. Remember, you are worth it and you already have the skills to advocate. Did you know that the Good Health Cafe also has a blog? Subscribe to our mailing list on thegoodhealthcafe.com to get updates when new blogs or episodes are posted. While there, leave us a comment and let us know what you thought about the episode. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram too. See you in the cafe next time. Bye!